Blog Talk Radio. I'm not hearing the music. Forbidden Archaeology Forgotten History, Divination, Magic, Cryptozoology, UFOs, Nature, Science, and Spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Forbidden Archaeology, Forgotten History, Divination, Magic, Cryptozoology, UFOs, Nature, Science, and Spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Hello, everybody. My name is Janice R. White. And tonight we have another version of Reflections and Rhythms. And tonight we're going to have a very good friend of mine, a 20-year friend of mine, Jane Sibley, and she's going to be talking about Norse spirituality. So stay tuned for that. We're going to play a little bit of a song uh, uh, from our good friends Tuafadia.
that was a little bit uh, Tawafadia Michiala Grew. Uh, tonight's guest is, like I said, a very good friend of mine. I've known her for the last 20 years or so. And her name is Jane T. Sibley, Ph.D. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about her. She's a specialist in Norse folklore and runes. She has taught many pagan events over the years, including Ecumenicon, uh, Sacred Space, and Changing Times, Changing Worlds. She's the author of Norse Mythology, According to Uncle Innar, The Hammer of the Smith, The Divine Thunderbolt, Missile of the Gods, and A Different Dragon, her fifth book, The Way of the Wise, Traditional Norwegian Folk and Magic Medicine, sorry, was released in December 2015. She also has a small spice blend company called Auntie Arwen Spices, and I can vouch for that. I have like four bottles in my kitchen, and I'm looking at the Swords Swallower really, really, really hot curry powder, which I love. And the Auntie Arwen Spices have over 400 uh, seasoning blends that not only can she sell online, but she can also sell them in SCA and pagan events, as well as local farmers markets and science fiction conventions. But that's enough about me talking. Why don't we have Jane come in herself and start talking? Jane. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I am doing good. I'm doing good. Of course you're doing Well, you good. know, I invited you um, on my women's show, Reflections and Rhythms, so we can talk about uh, of, of various things, Norse in itself, and you can talk a little bit about Norse. Uh, I know I have a picture of um, Frigga on there and some healing utensils, your picture that I got off of Facebook and my picture. So we want to talk about uh, Frigga and Freya and some of the other goddesses as well as healing and maybe some cooking since you have these wonderful uh, spices that I um, – I'm looking at the Sword Swallower right now, and I love it. So we definitely want to have some questions about your Auntie Arwen's spices. Uh, But I want to start with one question first. Uh, What attracted you? Hello? Oh, shoot. Are you there? Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, What attracted you to the Norse gods? I sort of grew up with it. And um, okay. and uh, uh, I'm interested in the very earlier uh, manifestations, tracking them back to origins. Frigga is relatively recent. Uh, she she came in in essentially Viking times, but it's Freya and Frey, uh, the male and female part of um, fertility of the earth and of animals. And of of course people too. Oh yeah. Um, and the, of the natural earth, so they would be Vanir, and um, then of course Thor with the natural sky, cosmos, and weather. Odin and Frigga were relatively late coming to Scandinavia. Over. Ah. <laughs> See, I did not know that. Yeah, uh, Freya, uh, Frigga is uh, almost an analog of Frau Holle, or Pershta, and uh, is a continental goddess. She probably started out as a cloud goddess. And when her dress was white, that meant fair weather. But if it started getting dark, watch out, because bad Mm. weather was coming. And she sometimes accompanied Wod, or Odin, in Asgardsreid, which was the wild hunt. Over. Oh, I love saying okay. over. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. Well, though, so 
perhaps the Wild Hunt, the magazine that comes out online, uh, taking it from, you know, the Norse gods, calling calling their newspaper the Wild Hunt, perhaps. You find the Wild Hunt in England as well, as well in, okay. and also in the continent. And that's when the big storms would come in over the North Sea from the east, and they'd hammer the coast. And okay. so it was believed that Odin led the wild hunt, but that Frigga would be with him. But Frigga was also sort of a household goddess. In mm-hmm. other words, Martha Stewart was a Frigga wannabe. <laughs> or maybe a Frigga follower, actually. So, But, yeah. Yeah, and the little kitchen witch figure that people hang in their kitchens, that's Frigga. Yes. She liked obedient and well-brought-up children and a neat kitchen. And when it snowed, they said that Frigga or Frau Holle or Persta was shaking out the bedding. So, you know, Ah. she liked a good, well-run household. Oh, yes. Well, I think my mother was a Frigga uh, practitioner, didn't know it then, because she was (laughs) definitely into... uh, having a clean house and a almost sparkling uh, living room, even though she had white carpet and kind of off-white sofas. But we wasn't allowed. And you were a child in children. that? You, and you were a child? In, I was a child, in, yes. And white rug? Your mom had high hopes. <laughs> <laughs> and a big belt. But, yeah, she she, she actually kept it clean, Um because she she passed over uh, almost three years now, but I went back to the house. Uh, um, I went back to the house just to see how it was, and and the new owners were like, "Well, we took up the white carpet, but we still have uh, the red. She had like red, red and white um, draperies, which you know, you know, it's Shango, red and white, so." Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, she kept it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Shango and so, Thor had more than a few things in common. Don't be surprised where I get it from. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, she kept it white for a very long time, actually. <coughs> mm. So, uh, back to the interview. When was your first inkling uh, about your ability to heal? Gee, when I was a kid. Okay. You know, I'd, I'd work on cats and dogs, you know, the family pets, mm-hmm. and uh, it's sort of always been. Mm. So that that comes to my next question. Are you from a family of healers? Uh, well, more of manufacturers and teachers, but my mm-hmm. father's mother uh, had the old ways, and so okay. she did a lot of teaching to me, and uh-huh. through the years, the, the sooner, when you, the only time you stop learning is when you're dead, and you learn oh, yes. in the process of dying, so oh, yes. I've always been learning, and when I was at graduate school in Norway, uh, I was able to um, find, learn more, and some of the stuff that I had learned, wow, uh, I found documentation for, which is something quite different from what the modern Asatru has. And uh, it's the old peasant healing traditions. You know, the herbalism, Ah. the which is to do for, in other words, essentially cursing uh, a, a condition because they didn't know about bacteria or viruses. And they didn't okay. know what caused gout. And so uh, in more modern times, uh, well, I'm saying medieval times on, uh, a lot of this was translated into Christian um, doing for. So they'd have Jesus okay. doing for or the, the Virgin Mary or somebody, but you could see where that probably originated from. Over. Okay. Uh, we have a caller here that... Uh once again online, maybe he or she will ask you a question. Good. All right. Hey. Who is it? Hello. Oh. Hello? Hold it right there. Hello? 
I knew this it was you. Denise White and Reflections and Rhythm. I can smell you getting off the elevator. The what? He's gone. Oh, okay. Uh, I have a feeling that he had a very interesting um, agenda, which was not necessarily ours. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, when, when they come on the and they start yelling at the at the first drop of the hat, yeah, that's that's usually they have an agenda that wasn't ours. So. Yeah. Well, elephants but. have nothing to do with Norse. <laughs> yes. They didn't so, have we're a just gonna, we're an just going to uh, send him some energy. So. The trolls. But I know. Um, when I had met you twenty years ago. Almost, almost 21 years ago, actually, um, it was in Ecumenicon, and you have this circle that usually happens about uh, at night, like 11 o'clock or 12, oh, yeah, we call or 12 midnight. Oh, yes, the Norse Healing Circle. Can you talk a little bit about that for people that haven't been? Okay. Well, what we do is everybody, according to their traditions and it's I don't mind Christian or Judaic or whatever or various uh, pagan but we lay the circle you know with the and since a lot of people are used to the four elements I'm I was brought up with three the three were earth which is a solid element Mm -hmm. um, water which is the aqueous and air fire which is the etheric and those are the three phases of matter until they discovered plasma and I think they've got another one beyond that but anyway so we lay that according to your tradition and since the modern Wicca has four they separate air and fire we do that separately but Mm -hmm. we do not have the watchtowers in the four corners and since Norse magic tended towards north was the source from which magic flowed magical energy. So you we'd orient towards the north, even though the word orient means head towards the east. Christianity had it came it came from the east. Now uh so in the old pagan temples and when it was came time for conversion, the temples in Norway would have the Thor and whoever the idols in the north, and then you could just go right over to the east, and there would be Jesus, which is Jesus, Sancta Maria, Saint Mary, and then another god, usually somebody who had some serious chops, uh, who would be the defender, like Saint Michael or... Okay. uh, Yeah, and so there was um, a relatively gentle transition because there was a lot of, you know, hey, no problem with the Norse. Um, and then, um, so in the, then the Norse working, we'll go and we, we, I go to the North and I will say, what is the reason that we are here? There are people who need healing. There may be somebody who needs to charge a tool or something, but usually it's healing. And then I mm-hmm. go around the circle and ask what needs to be done. And so we have, we'll have a tune-up session. And oh, then... Yeah. And then um, try to get some of the more dire um, uh, conditions addressed, such as cancer. Um, letting a person who is on the path, just about to set their toes on the rainbow bridge, in other words, they are entering the process of dying, to be able mm-hmm. to let them go in peace and love and without danger because it was believed that the path between the land of the living and the land of the dead was fraught with danger. Do not leave the path. Sounds like the Hobbit, but yeah. But Tolkien had that right. Do not leave the path. And so there are various protections there, but so that the soul or the spirit of the um, soon-to-depart would be protected and be able to travel with courage and love. And mm. so we don't address just the common cold or simple things like that, but uh, we'll go for, like, emphysema. We'll go for uh, uh, skeletal problems. So, But everybody in the circle, we link up, and we uh, we call up the energy 
so that the focus, there's a person behind the patient, the customer, as it were, who Mm -hmm. the customer will know exactly where to put the energy. And so that the energy, as it comes around, is sort of a cyclotron, and uh, then can put it in and um, so that it addresses the specific problem. In the case of somebody who is at a distance, now we've had any number of people who the, the, the actual recipient is uh, not present at the conventions, but we have somebody who would be the focus for them. So they have to go out and they have to ask, we are here, do you welcome this? Because you always, there's ethics. You, uh, you ask, and then they will nod when the link is made, and then we work on them. And yes. like, yeah, and we and it's not only human, but also animal. One one year, Charlie Butler brought in his fading cat to the circle, who was in terrible pain, and she was obviously just about to leave. And so we did the circle for her, and she started purring, and mm. you know we just about brought tears to her eyes. And Charlie said she left three days later, but she purred all the time. And so she was mm-hmm. not in pain. So it goes for animal and as well as humans. And yeah. uh, it doesn't matter what your faith is. It, it's just setting the energy so that you put it where it goes. And then we will eventually break the circle. Mm-hmm. But it's not kitty stuff. This is... This can be really powerful. And there yes. was one circle we did where there was a lady who happened to be an MD. And we had a patient or customer, client, whatever, who was on the edge of pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to see if we could blast the lungs clear and uh, get the pneumonia kicked. So we let, he, we had him lying down comfortably and covered. And mm-hmm. we... Yeah, we uh, powered up the cyclotron, but we asked the, the medic if she would just simply focus the energy but not get into it. Well, um, she said, oh, I've done this before. What? Right. And <laughs> so when we sent the energy around, then we had a good backstop to soak up what went, went past the, the patient. And... But she was there, and she was supposed to just simply shape it. It blew her off the patient and into a grand mal seizure. And so we had to start working on her. And all of a sudden she believed in energy, but it took us two days to get her back down and grounded. Because sometimes a person will say, oh, I have had a class, oh, I have read a book. Mm-hmm. And they haven't got the experience to deal with it. And some of the power that we work with in the Norse working circles is seriously heavy duty. Over. Oh yes. Oh yes. Uh, that <coughs> that caller has called back. So you want to try it again? Oh. Sure. Okay. Right. To apologize because what I did wasn't right, and I'd like to apologize for that. Oh well, thank you. Um, but I would also like to ask a serious question here. Um, do you know about a, a person, he's running for candidacy, uh, Augustus Saul Invictus? Well, Saul no. Invictus you find in Mithraic lore. Oh, I know what and it is. I, you know, Roman, I think it means and you'll see person. him in the cult of Kibala and Attis, and that is the unconquerable son. That, I don't exactly know a person. Right. Well, this I person, person is running for Senate. There's a person who has that name. You could look it up on the computer, and I'm not joking. I'm not making this up. Look up uh, Senator. He's running for Marco Rubio's seat in Congress, and okay. he drank the blood Let of a goat. Let me just look. Uh, so okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, is that here? black magic, or is that... Because he practices Thelema or something. What's the full name? Is Saul Invictus what? Uh, Augustus Saul Invictus. Okay, let me just look that up. Because uh, I mean, this is this uh, is something sir, I'm really Clem? concerned about. Because I'm concerned about the, you know these type of dark people. T- 
taking okay, you know, positions so that... Born July 31st, 1983, as an attorney and a United States Senate candidate in the 2016 Florida election running as a libertarian. And I'm a now, libertarian. That's why I'm kind of disturbed about this. Yeah. Well, yeah. the thing is, he was born Austin Gillespie. And so... Um, it is. Uh, it says he has drawn national attention due to cu- criticism of a goat sacrifice. Now, in some faiths, uh, a animal sacrifice is uh, part of the ceremony, like for example, chickens or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, even in Islam, you you can like the the chicken. I know there's like a. Yeah. Yes. And I know nothing about him, but when somebody calls calls himself Augustus Saul Invictus. That speaks to me that the guy has a ego problem. Mm-hmm. And since, yeah, and he's picking a Roman name. Now, Saul Invictus was a very powerful um, deity in Mithraism. Um, and Augustus means august or majestic. So uh, he, I, would, somebody I voting. would be very careful there. I would, too. So this isn't somebody worth voting for associated with. I would say not. He's a libertarian, but when when you start naming yourself something, he says that he is a follower of Thelema, T-H-E-L-E-M-A, and a former member of the Ordo Templis Orientalis, that's O-T-O. I know all about that. What? I know a lot about the O-T-O. I'm not really supposed to talk much about that, but I know one of their rituals involves like a large phallus thing and... Well, I would um says on his campaign website he uses fascist symbolism such as the Roman fasces. His political mm. positions listed include an end to the war on drugs and a stop mil- US military inventions on, in foreign conflicts. He also believes education should be regulated at the state and local levels and that national security is damaging Americans' civil liberties. He also believes in abolishing the IRS. I can see that. And in the non-aggression principle, citation needed. I like a lot this of his views, Wikipedia. that's what I'm saying, but it's just, I don't like Salima. I don't think that's something... Well, then don't vote for him. Positive. Uh, pick pick somebody that you can vote for. I like Rand, I would have a Ron problem. Paul. Like, I'm a Christian personally. Now, the reason why I called you up with that stupid thing earlier was because yeah. I'm kind of bored right now and I got really nothing to do. <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck at okay. home. You know, I've listened. I listen to a lot of, you know, blog talk radio. So, you know, sometimes I'll call up and have serious stuff, and sometimes, you know, I, like earlier, I kind of trolled. Um, earlier today, I had actually called up these black supremacists, and I mean, oh, they were really racist. Mm. Mm. And um, I'm telling you, like, do you think that people that put off, like, uh, that are racist and stuff, like, do they put off, like, bad vibes? To me, they do. In my tradition... If this is in your heart, I don't care whether you're a three-legged Venusian, purple. Mm-hmm. If this is your path, I teach you to the best of my abilities. Um, I don't care if you are deaf, if you are blind, mm-hmm. if you are um, uh, of a different race than mine. I, it's, is it in your heart? Is this your spirit? And... So that is the important thing. What is inside? There's a meat envelope, but what is the spirit, the soul inside? That is the important thing. And you have to sort of look at that to see, is this person uh, somebody that you could deal with? Well, when I was talking to this person, I was kind of debating them on like, because this person was claiming to be a Muslim. I have a very bad acting nephew right now. And so I was (laughs) saying like, well, you're not a Muslim because your Islam doesn't teach racism. Even the radical form, they you know, even the radical ones are of all races, you know. So I was kind of well. They do have person. a problem with Jews, even though they are of similar uh, genetic. Very heritage. similar. Yeah, yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Well, guests, um, we have a, like half an hour to go, so um, we need to go back to the questioning. Unless you have another question for Jane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, now, have you ever seen the movie The Wicker Man? Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, which one? Cause Both the of The original them. one. Oh, yeah, I, I prefer the original one. I don't like the Nicolas Cage one. 
uh, you know, especially the no, I don't either. That was really kind of stupid. But what is, now is that, that still going on today? Because I know about Bohemian Grove and all that. I research a lot of that type of stuff. And you know, I, I guess Burning Man's kind of like a light version, you know, because they're not really burning somebody alive. But are there? I think groups? a lot of that honestly comes from Victorian uh, sensationalism, and it's also was in, was said that it was sort of Celtic. The Norse did not do things like that. I know that. the Norse didn't do it, but I'm saying did the Celts, the Druids, really do that? Um, the Druids didn't tend to write things down, and I suspect that they did not. It may have been in, a say, a particular village, and it may have been that the victim was... Um, a criminal? Somebody who was chosen or cho- who chose uh, for the benefit of the land or whatever. However, the movie was very much sensationalist and oh, I the think movie, very they had much it, like, Victorian they, they planned influence. him to come over and all. What? The, in the movie, like he, they actually planned him to come over and tricked him. Yeah, that, well, that, that I think, seem... was based on a lot of the Victorian period sensationalism. <laughs> and yeah. probably, no, I'm not a Celtic expert. I can spell Celt, and I know a few Celts. I'm Celtic, but, you know, in heritage, so I kind of... I would suspect that uh, quite a bit. How did you know? That's interesting. It's just a feeling. I would suspect it. Um, now, um, the Celts, the Brit- the insular Celts, there were connections between them and Scandinavia. But mm-hmm. uh, in Scandinavia, you simply didn't do that. It, there may have been human sacrifice in, uh, like, Migration or early peer, very very early period, but uh, it would be more animal sacrifice rather than human. Though in the continent, so it's not the like continental the Germanics would have human sacrifice to Wood, or who became Odin. So now, what about the Phoenicians who had Ball and like? The Phoenicians are way south. And most of what I know, the Phoenicians are as traders, T-R-A-D-E-R-S, traders, merchants. And if there was a hint of a whiff of profit, a Phoenician was there, and then later the Greeks, and then later the Romans. But I don't know, I cannot comment on Phoenicians, and I would have very little to comment on Celts. Over. Yes, because that's not our talk. Our talk is about uh, healing and cooking and the Norse. So, and we just had a little bit of technical difficulties. So, uh, but I'm going to take a little break, uh, like a two minute break or so, and we're going to come back because uh, it's already 9:03, and come back with the program. So please uh, continue to listen. And this is Reflections and Rhythms with. Uh, Our guest tonight, Jane Sibley.
back. And my name is Janice R. White. This is Reflections and Rhythms. And my guest is Jane Sibley. Jane, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Okay, good, good. I wanted to talk about women um, in Norse. I know we uh, briefly talked about Frigga and um, Freya, but I just Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about women in general in Norse, uh, about their roles and maybe a little bit about the cooking that they did, the healing of the land and their families, things of that nature. Sure. Uh, the women were the primary wise women, the klukikun, the, the wise women. And they were not only the doctors, because uh, they would have to be able to diagnose um, and have the herbalism knowledge and know when to gather, how to store, etc., and how to make the medicines. But they were also the veterinarians, they were also, in a way, the psychologists, um, and um, they uh, were an, in, in va- they were valuable members of community. Um, you wanted to have the wise women. As a matter of fact, when I was over in grad school at the University of Oslo, um, I was in a class was, which was focusing on field techniques in folklore collection. And one of my tasks was to go out into the field, as it were, and collect. And so I picked, there was a place, it was the equivalent of a 7-Eleven out near Akashus Castle, which is, was uh, Kunosgata, which was the street of the wise women. And I went in there and I asked, there was a little old lady behind the counter. And so I asked her for a skein of yarn, which was of the wool of the white sheep and black sheep carded together so that it was gray, and I wanted a kilo of lard, and I can't remember the third thing. And the little old woman said, my God, are you going to set a practice here? Our wise woman has died. We have nobody. And I went, eep, because I had explained <laughs> to her that I was an American student and that I was only here for a few more months and then I would be going home. But And she was just absolutely crushed. Because there are various things, you know, with measuring, taking the yarn to measure to see how long a disease would last. For example, you would start at the, there are several ways of doing it, but you could start at the crown of the head or the isa, and you'd go down the outline of the body and all the way around, all the toes, etc. And then that would be the measure of a person, and then that yarn would be sort of bound up in a skein, and that could be... Uh, subjected to various things that a sick patient you just couldn't lift them up and you know do things with and so um uh and but there was also you know knowing how to do the salves i still make my cough syrup the old way and it's with local honey and okay. uh colt's foot which is called hest hoof or horse hoof which is incredible against coughs it's Linnaean name is Tusilago Farfara, which in Tusis, that's Latin for cough. And that's incredible, and, you know, with various ingredients. Some of the folk medicine, the healing that they did, they'd write it down, and um, in what people now would call a grimoire, or black books, but the women's mm-hmm. ones had recipes for healing. Men's tended towards gambling luck, hunting luck, and getting laid. Oh. <laughs> right. Uh, well, men have to have a hobby, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and speaking of men, we do have Daniel with with us tonight. Daniel, do you have any questions for Jane? Daniel? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, I guess. Do you one have any questions question. for Jane? Yeah, um, one question I guess, and this is taking it in a slightly different direction, is what's your? Have you had any dealings with some people see as the you know the negative side of the of the Norse, uh, you know the folk side or whatever they call themselves, the sort of 
because you have the Asatru and you have the sort of educated side and then you have the sort of, there's, there's kind of a neo-Nazi side that claims the Norse traditions. I wonder, I'm just curious if you've had any run-ins with some of these people. I have absolutely no use for the skinheads. Mm-hmm. Um, they are racist uh, and they are very strictly Odinist pretty, pretty much. And you right. see this a lot in the prison uh, uh, population. But you see, um, the traditional Norse has no, would have no use for it. Um, and I have no use for it. It's, I've, I've, the Azatru are, I know several kindreds that are just fine. But then there are some that are a little squirrely. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. that is a problem for those of us who are Norse practitioners. It really is. Because um, these people, they'll ble- bleat out all this, spew out all this stuff. And, uh, but this is not historical. A lot of it comes from Nazi Germany. As a matter of fact, I'm working on my rune book now, and part of it is going to be called the When Folklore Ran Wild, Rune Use in the Third Reich. And it started with the Brothers Grimm. Mm, and, interesting. And before Hitler and Himmler were even born, uh, there was some of this stuff going on. And uh, as a matter of fact, some of the stuff going on in Nazi Germany makes modern New Age look scholarly I mean (laughs) so yeah so yes there is a definite problem with people that are like that in that are following that it is not the historical it's not the traditional it's not the country way in which now I'm a Norwegian specialist but you know I cover rest of Scandinavia also it's not the way it was and mm-hmm. so so it would be like the um, Victorian times on when yeah. you start getting this romantic revival, as it were, quote, runic revival. And <laughs> Wagner was very much in that. Um, as a matter of fact, his conducting wand had, quote, runes, unquote, that were put on it by Willigut, who was Himmler's rune master. And uh, I've had two trips to the National Archives picking out things uh, from that. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff, honestly, was squirrel food. I mean, (laughs) so I do not deal with that at all. And if somebody starts spouting that, I I would either walk away or discuss with them how things were done in period. And another interesting thing is what all they're doing is they're taking what could be considered a modern, um, by modern I mean either from Nazi Germany or say even white supremacist America vision, and then applying their own little opinion to it, to what they think Odin oh, yeah. is. And what they Definitely. leave out, what they li- really leave out is Odin was the great explorer, though he certainly had his flaws as all the gods did. But I don't get him as an explorer. How do you get him as an explorer? He was curious. I well, always thought yeah. of Odin the Curious. He was more of a psychopomp. In other words, he could travel between the lands of the living and the dead. The word Odin comes from Wod or Od, which was essentially battle madness. Right. And, you know, just, you go crazy, uh, berserk in battle. He was not a nice god. He was not an altruist. He did not stick to promises. Right. Uh, but he was very much a god of the... Started in the continent of the Comitatus, C-O-M-I-T-A-T-U-S, Comitatus, which is a war band society, elite. And so, uh, like groups like the Yoms Vikings would go for somebody like that that was just crazy in battle. But mm-hmm. um, in the boonies, many places they never heard of Odin until Victorian mm-hmm. times. Uh, right. Thor was always number one. Even in the great Odinic temple at Uppsala, which had originally been a phrase temple, uh, Adam of Bremen went there, and uh, you know, this was back a long time ago, and uh, there was the idol set, the three idol set. Thor was always in the center. 
The one who threw the thunderbolt was number one. Odin never threw the thunderbolt. He was <laughs> he was secondary, and um, essentially among the elite, uh, the city folk, not the boony, not the country types, the types right. that you know raised the cattle and made cheese, etc. Yeah. And but you would find this a lot in some of the uh, German stuff, um, and. Um, I've just had a lovely weekend down at Yale University's library picking out some more stuff. They got, as a matter of fact, some of the Hauptarchiv, the main archives of the SS occult section. Mm-hmm. And uh, so whew, I would be very careful dealing with any of those people. Over. Certainly twisted it around. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. Um, but it has nothing um... to do with the women and what the program here. Poor Janice is trying to focus on the lore of the woman. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. And now the men would tend to have spells for, so that a woman would raise her skirts for him. Though there is a lovely little spell to make the penis timid. So. Mm, okay. <laughs> maybe either the guy would use it because he didn't want to, you know, have a homo homo with somebody, or a woman might use it just so that she wouldn't get raped. But rape yeah. was uh, not looked well upon. So Still as far as the woman's role was, you were the healer. People came to you with their problems. And so you would be uh, working to help, say, heal mind or body. And a lot of the recipes, the, the, the medications were very good. They had an incredible knowledge of nutrition, vitamin A coming from she, uh, fish livers. And how many of you had uh, to take cod liver oil as kids? I mean, fishy. I did. And yeah, I still do actually. Yeah, and vitamin B was from yeah. the yeasts in bread, but also in ale. Everybody drank ale. Vitamin C. Well, you didn't have citrus, but you had. Uh, lingonberries, you had uh, cloud berries, which are called muthud. Uh You had angelica. You had a number of things for C. D, it, lard, was rich in vitamin D and a lot of the salves, particularly against dry skin in the wintertime. Uh, so that is a topical application of vitamin D. So you had that. There was uh, medicine in the north was far more, and also hygiene, was far more sophisticated than on the continent. Mm-hmm. There is an account of a Icelandic physician who in the 1300s did surgery for kidney stones in a guy. The stone had lodged, lodged partly down the urethra so she could get at it. Oh, no, actually, it was, this was a guy. But it was primarily the woman who was the healer and the midwife. It was called a yelpakuna, or helping woman. And so uh, conception, carrying a child healthily, providing a good birth, um, that was where the woman healer would come in. Very few people were, men were healers, though there was was one called Vis Knut or Wise Knut, and, uh, but he was like 1800s, 1700s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, it was the women. Over. Yes, yes. Well, in, um, in other civilizations, definitely Africa and Egypt, and in other ones, Samaria, the, the women were the healers as well. It seems to be part of the nurturing gene, as it were, because yes. the women are the ones that get to take care of the kids. The men are off fishing or trading or doing other things, running businesses, whatever, but women also ran businesses. Yes. But the women were the ones that took care of the home. They had the keys, and so they had to make sure there was cheese, there was whatever that was needed for nutrition, for people to eat, uh, making sure the house was clean, and knowing the magic that you start at the back of the house and sweep toward the door so that the dust would go out over the threshold wards and, um, you know, just various little things. Mm-hmm. So um, they were the ones that provided that nice, warm, welcoming home cocoon. For for the children and also so the husbands coming you know they come in from a fishing 
expedition, and that might have been a couple of weeks, frozen and just, oh, and when you come in that door and it's warm, there's light, and there's sit down, have a nice ale. You know, that. Yeah, that, and there's fresh yeah. bread and, and, yeah, there's you know, bread, the smell jellies of and jams and, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we have about nine minutes to go. Mm-hmm. So why don't we talk about Auntie Arwen? Because you're my favorite, favorite spice, spice lady. Oh, fact, I have I'm fun almost... with that. <laughs> I've got two very good partners now, and okay. uh, so they are going out to the SCA 50th. They're doing a lot of the Renaissance festivals. We'll be doing farmers markets, um, sell online. And anybody who's curious, it's www.aun as in Nancy, T-I-E-A-R-W-E-N as in Nancy, S-P-I-C-E-S dot com. And uh, we make all our own spices. We try to go as organic as possible. But if there is a single question about any of the ingredients, we do not label it organic. And uh, so we have, like, Ethiopian berry we have curries, we have uh, things from the Far East, um, like uh, the, the togarishi from Japan. We have a lot of uh, Tex-Mex. We have hot blends, and you know, you, you like hot blends, but there's one like hotter than blend. that, which is Daredevil's Downfall Curry, and I use ghost pepper in that. Mm, I'm going to have to try that. Which is much hotter. Okay. I mean, it will toast your toasties. Oh, so that's yeah. good when the, well, we're still in winter, actually, if you actually go outside now. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to try that. But you and can I know I'm almost site. finished with their sword swallower, so I'm going to have to get some more of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I have fun with it. What got me into it, I a long, long time ago, I was in the garden club, our local garden club, and they, I said, I'll make some of the, the my garlic salt for your, um, your fundraiser. And I use fresh garlic, and there's a local farm that grows the garlic, so I use fresh garlic and kosher salt and a few other things. And I saw how quickly it sold and how much they got for it, and I said, I am so freaking in business. And I started out with 12 <laughs> blends, and now... People will say, oh, do you have uh, shawarma? And so we got in, we we developed the recipe for shawarma. And okay. do you have, what? What? Do I have what? Shawarma, S-H-A-W-A-R-M-A. That's a Middle Eastern blend. Yes. And Ooh. if you've ever seen, uh, what was it? Uh, the There was one of the movies with the um, superheroes, and they decided to go to uh, around the corner to a shawarma place afterwards. Um, oh, was, um, the Avengers. The Avengers, yeah. 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 So, um, but we do lots of curries, uh, garam masalas, and also various other masalas, tikka masala, um, chaat masala, you know, and, but, uh, we don't have much from South America, a few things. We don't have anything much from Sub-Saharan Africa because I don't have any recipes for or demand for Sub-Saharan Africa. Very Only two or three blends from, the far, from Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. China, I don't have any blends. But, hey, you know, I have, a couple, I have four medieval blends that we got from medieval uh, books. But it's fun to just just explore the world of taste. Spices, oh, yes. if you look at trade routes, uh, spices have been one of the most valuable trade elements. And when somebody says, you're worth your salt, that means salt. Our word salary comes from that. And that's mm-hmm. where some of the Roman legionaries were paid in with salt. And so... There's a lot of sort of cultural exchange that one can find by looking at trade routes. Over. Mm. And I just read about you have a Klingon blend. 
Oh, so, yes. Oh, Peanut in the alley, which is a very a hot bit? jerk seasoning. Ah, so it would make so a really good jerk chicken. Yeah, oh, yeah. They'll just about cook the chicken. <laughs> oh, I had to get some of that. So, so wow. Well, we have about four minutes. So, um, is there anything you want to plug? Because I know uh, on my other show, my reggae show, I always leave the last couple of minutes for plugging uh, business or new book. I know you had a book that just came out in December. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Divine That's Thunderbolts. No, the Divine Thunderbolt, my doctoral dissertation is the core of it. My com- my committee said it's going to be 150 pages double spaced, and here's the format. We have to read it. But <laughs> so this, I had to stop just before the Viking period. But in the Divine Thunderbolt, Missile of the Gods, I was able to explore Indo-European thunder and lightning, gods, lore, folklore, etc., in religion, into the late. 1800s. The new book is The Way of the Wise, Traditional Norwegian Folk and Magic Medicine. And I go into it very seriously, and uh, some of the spells I have on one side put the Norwegian, and then the trans- my translation on the other side. And so that you can see what things people were concerned with suffered from, but also how they treated it. And since they some of the things that were caused by um, viruses or bacteria they didn't know about, but mm-hmm. they did know that you take juniper berries and you simmer them in water and crush them. That brown juice was what they used like betadine today, and that's very antiseptic. So they had a very, very good knowledge of medicine. I was trying to really go into what was medicine from saga times through into the 1800s. Plenty of uh, and a huge herbalism section, and uh, uh, one chapter on the veterinary, how you treated your animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, this was some 15 years in the making. Over. Oh, oh. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> and in November, uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, Chasing Time, in, uh, 90 Seconds. Um, changing times, changing changing world. Yes, yes. I'm going to really try to come back again because I know that uh, some people want, well, some people have asked for uh, Pacific classes like the uh, tower um, because I had did a a thing on the star. uh, Well, my first one was the strength. We got one yeah, minute. well, that's uh, pretty much tarot, but yeah. I loved your Shango class. Oh, thank you. And you really know thank what you're you. talking about. It's a wonderful con- conference, and it's got more of the advanced stuff. Um, and so it, you go to Changing Times, Changing Worlds, and uh, you can see what some of the past classes have been, et cetera. And Janice is certainly one of our star lecturers because she has a lot of knowledge, particularly of the African stuff, which I know little about, and so I'm going to dive in with both feet. Yes, Yes. thank you so much. So, oh, wow, we're almost, oh, we got like 30 seconds to go. So I'm going to say goodbye, Jay. Oh, how did they get And thank you for inviting me on your show. Uh, no problem. Anytime. And you can come back anytime as well. Cool. Cool. Okay. All right. All righty. And we'll see you soon. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. So this is Reflections and Rhythms, and I want to say good night to everybody, to Daniel as well as to Jane, and goodbye. Good, sorry, good night to Block Talk Radio. I don't hear any music.